Hello, and welcome back to the Morbid Museum. We are your hosts, Katie Mead and Luke Boyd. Hello, everybody. Hi, how's it going? Bodily, uh, <laughs> thoroughly, thoroughly od- od- bodily, oddified from our series <laughs> about kooky stuff relating to the body. It's a crazy series, like nine yeah. different chapters. <laughs> And thank you, everybody, for your interest. Um, we've had so many downloads over the past uh, several weeks, especially. Like, it's so great to see people really feeling the content. So hopefully we don't lose all of you this month as Luke and I basically delve into what we really love, <laughs> which is talking about the presidents. It's happening. We're doing it. <laughs> February is here. So it's Presidential History Month. Let's dig in. Uh-huh. So... I am kicking things off with a very interesting topic. You know, obviously, when you think of morbidity and presidents, you think of the assassinations, right? And we do know a lot about the assassinations of certain presidents. We know the name of the killer. And some of those people have become famous in their own right, specifically John Wilkes Booth. Mm. Obviously, everything, all of the stuff involving JFK's assassination. And really, at the end of the day, we're looking at what do we have? One, two, three, four, like assassinated completely <laughs> presidents. Successfully, versus- successfully assassinated, right? Successfully Lincoln, assassinated. Lincoln, Lincoln, McKinley, uh, Garfield, Kennedy, yeah, Garfield, Kennedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then you have all of these other attempted assassinations. Many. And we even know who many of those people are as well. So what I find interesting is what if I was to tell you that between the years of 1840 to 1850, there was a silent assassin living in the White House that ultimately claimed the lives of three presidents. (laughs) (laughs) Is it the Russians? (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely not. Today, I'm going to be discussing the deaths of William Henry Harrison, James mm. K. Polk, and President Zachary Taylor. And mm. what exactly happened to these three poor bastards? <laughs> so let's talk about the previously known stories of their deaths, just kind of what has been accepted for a long time. And I'm sure all of you Americans certainly know some of these stories to some extent. These are also not anybody's favorite presidents. <laughs> these are three really far down the rung presidents. Ob- obscure. And yeah, part- really not yeah. in the pantheon of special yeah, presidents yeah, yeah. at all. And, and and in part, for at least two of the three, they weren't presidents for very long. No. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's get into it. So let's start with our ninth president, William Henry Harrison. He became the oldest president at 68 years old in 1841. And he actually held that record for 140 years till Reagan became president. Right. Which is crazy. There were other guys who were like close in his age. Like I I think it was uh, Zachary Taylor was already like 65. So like not that big of a age difference, but still he was an old bitch. (laughs) (laughs) uh and i and let me just say i am so tired of old white men running this country (laughs) officially you've had it i fucking can't (laughs) the past several years have been too much i'm i'm so very done so off topic so harrison is elected and on the day of his inauguration march 4th 1841 he gives an infamously epic long speech Mm. to this day it is still the longest inaugural speech ever coming in at over eight thousand words lasting close to two fucking hours which is just crazy to me rude is what it is it's rude and there's no economy of text in this situation how in the world are we supposed to internalize anything that you say anything good that you've said is buried i can't actually hear you because there is no acoustics to speak of Mm -hmm. in the 19th century not to mention this speech is happening outside outside in the against the elements against the portico of the capital in allegedly not very good weather from what many people have reported a cold wet yucky day uh so really i mean 
I would have tried to like very quietly sidestep out of there after like, I don't know, yeah. 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, I want to say something about uh, Great Britain, but I forgot my hand warmers back at the White House. Uh, call, <laughs> uh, bye. bye. You know, and like it used, so it used to be in March. The, uh, the inauguration yes. used to be held in March before Correct. it was held in January, but both scenarios are very cold cold very cold cold, in dc yeah yeah and march being more wet than january january there's probably a better chance you're going to deal with snow but Mm -hmm. yeah so not great that's completely insane to do that to anyone including yourself (laughs) but he also made this interesting decision to not wear a coat or a hat Mm-hmm. or gloves or anything that one might need to be out in the elements in March. William. Uh, Bill. I don't know what he was called. I don't know what his, if he had a nickname. William. 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 William Henry. It's William Henry. <laughs> yes. That's only, to, just, my, only just, to my friends. Or just Hank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's also, in terms of like the length of his speech, the next longest was by Taft, and it is 5,400 words. So it doesn't even come close. The, and the, yeah, the integer to length of speech to presidential success. Yeah. Short of the better people. Let's trim it. This data gives us nothing. Nothing to go off of. Taft, not not a, not a good one either. Not, not a great Fucking one. Fucking windbags. Yeah. Them. Just nothing. So he gives his <laughs> endlessly, probably boring speech. And then on March 26th, just you know, a few weeks later, Harrison tells his physician, Dr. Thomas Miller, that he don't feel so good. Mm-mm. Primarily, he's feeling anxious and exhausted, which like, hello. Same. Same. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> relatable. Yeah, super relatable. But soon his symptoms shift and they grow to include intense nausea, constipation, and a very high fever. Always with constipation. Always. 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 (laughs) On April 3rd, 1841, this is a month into his presidency, he would utter his final words. Sir, I wish you to understand the principles of government. I wish them carried out. I ask nothing more. He would die at 12.30 a.m. on April 4th, again, only a month after being sworn into office. This, offici- is one of the, this is one of the shortest presidencies of all time. The. the. It is the. Yeah. He's also the first president to die in office. Right. Which is shocking. So it was shocking. It really, mm-hmm. really upset people a lot. The official cause of death, as noted by Dr. Miller, is pneumonia of the lower lobe of the right lung complicated by congestion of the liver. Mm. So this is the story that is often still told to this day. Harrison died from pneumonia caused by standing outside in the cold for too long with no coat. Already, as, you know, 21st century people, that's pretty sus. (laughs) (laughs) So hold on, hold on to that. Let's move on to James K. Polk. James K. Polk, James Knox Polk, was the 11th president of the United States, serving from 1845 to 1849. After leaving the office... President Polk and his wife, Sarah, make their way to their home in Nashville, Tennessee, and settle there in early April after they had done this grand post-presidency tour along the Mississippi Mm. River. Mm -hmm. So they finally get there in April, but by June of 1849, only three months after completing his term, he becomes severely ill with gastrointestinal upset. His symptoms are incessant diarrhea, and vomiting, leading to severe dehydration. It was running rampant through Nashville at the time, so doctors immediately recognized that the former president had fallen ill with cholera morbus. Now, I just want to make a differentiation here. What we talked about in the Broad Street Pump episode is what you would classify as Asiatic cholera, and that is from the bacteria Vibria cholerae. Again, we talked about all of this before. Mm-hmm. Cholera morbus is this made-up <laughs> 19th century blanket term for diarrhea, basically. Oh my god! Oh, another di- another diarrhea smokescreen. Yeah, so it's just it's dysentery. It's 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 gastroenteritis. Like right. it's hard to say. Right. It's it's one of those things where it's like we don't actually know what you have, but you definitely don't have Asiatic cholera. 
And of course, right. it would be called that because of its origins. And this is reminding us of a larger fact that a lot of downward marches to death or deaths are animated by a, a loose bowel and moment. You know, <laughs> let me tell and you what it's just diarrhea, and it's always like just awful to think about it being in that much dying, pain. dying yeah. from that essentially, like doing that to death. Yeah, poop your pants to death. Yeah. Well, thank you. No good. <laughs> so, yeah. So you would hear in the 19th century these three different terms for cholera, either Asiatic cholera, mm -hmm. cholera morbus, or cholera infantum, which you could probably guess means diarrhea illness that a child would get. Right. Because most infant mortality generally was they had diarrhea and a child cannot last very long uh, when they're dehydrated. So... Yeah, these ridiculous don't actually mean anything terms mm -hmm. <laughs> are what's being thrown around. So anyway, it's this catch-all term, and generally it's referring to this severe and often fatal intestinal distress. So for Polk, by Friday, June 15th, and again, this all starts like in the very first week of June. So it's really like two weeks in. At only 53 years old, Polk was dead. It made him the president with the shortest retirement on record. Right. How long was he out of office? Three months. Oh. Yeah. Right. So the inauguration is in March and then in June. Yeah. And he like, mm -hmm. he leaves office. He's so excited to retire. He's on a pleasure cruise on the Mississippi. He's getting ready for back. a book tour. Oh my God. Going to Nashville, <laughs> get some hot chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Go to endow a school and hey, look at my buy my grandchildren. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> His last words before Ooh. he died were, I love you, Sarah, for all eternity. I love you, which he said to his wife, Sarah Polk, which is so sweet so and tender. Heartbreaking. And like compared to Harrison, who's like, just just do just do what I said and do the government the way that I wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> like dying with the ship of state, like in your grip, like falling off, like scary compared to like, oh, I lived and you 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 lingered through my presidency and now I'm dead. Sorry. <laughs> just right after we climbed to the mountaintop, woman. Have you ever seen the drunk history version of William Henry Harrison's death? I don't think so. No. Who so plays who plays Harrison? Oh, what is his name? He's not like a major actor. He's mm -hmm. really good, but I'd have to think about it. But basically, <laughs> they tell the story terribly, as sure. always. Which is part of the charm. And so the drunk narrator says Harrison's last words were, make sure the government runs good. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> James K. Polk. James K. Polk looked like kind of like Billy Bob Thornton, right? Uh, yeah, you're not wrong about yeah, that. Yeah, like with a slick back. Yeah. Slick back hairdo, kind of like Crip Keeper hair. Yeah. <laughs> Not a handsome guy. No, let me I just would... let me just oh. acknowledge too that this month of presidential know-how is going to be animated by the two of us having a deep love of the presidents. Yeah. But also very unique and esoteric knowledge bases <laughs> that we each contend with. Like looking at two different star maps, like you there's not a lot of lineup, actually. Like no. <laughs> Like really obscure, weird, sexual crushes, history crushes. It's all wrapped up. No, it's we came we came together on Lincoln. That was that was good. <laughs> we had we had a lot of crossover. Listen, we had something. It's That's all that matters. It's be, anyway, it's, it's gonna be fun regardless. Let's get to our third contestant here. Mm -hmm. uh, the twelfth president, Zachary Taylor. Taylor came into office on March of 1849 at the age of 65. So again, not a young man per se. So we fast forward to the 4th of July, where we find him enjoying a delightful celebration at the Washington Monument. According to reports, he fucking got after it, eating tons of <laughs> cherries and iced milk, which Ooh. is basically like low-fat ice cream, I yeah. read. It, it sounds like people are just putting fucking ice cubes in milk. Like what? <laughs> no, it's actually like ice cream. Right. So he ate tons of that. And pretty soon thereafter, he had a tummy ache, which like <laughs> with that combo, same, my dude. Right. Like you say to your child, like, yes, you have an ice cream tummy. This is why. And yeah. you get to understand your limits, Johnny. <laughs> Do you want to end up dead like the president? <laughs> <laughs> so his 
His bad bellyache is seemingly mild at first, but his condition rapidly deteriorated and his symptoms intensified and he too would be given a diagnosis of cholera morbus. Mm. Even he understood the severity of his condition. And on July 8th, to a medical attendant, he was quoted as saying, I should not be surprised if this were to terminate in my death. I did not expect to encounter what has beset me since my elevation to the presidency. God knows I have endeavored to fulfill what I conceive to be an honest duty, but I have been mistaken. Taylor died at 10.35 p.m. on July 9th, 1850. His final words, I have endeavored to do my duty. I am prepared to die. My only regret is in leaving behind me the friends I love. So another sweet. Good old, good old Zachary. Zach. Underloved. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's interesting about Zachary Taylor's death is immediately afterwards, people were like, he was poisoned. Right. Conspiracy theories start right away. Right. And they amplify. Yeah. yeah. Things get are quiet for a little while, and then they amplify after Lincoln is assassinated. Mm. So that kind of brings the story back. And the story is so compelling and terrifying that this idea continued on until recent times where i mean what what do i have here i think it was 1991 yeah a woman who who was a historian and researcher convinced yeah. his family his relatives to have the body disinterred and tested in mm -hmm. 1991 and that testing concluded that there was no trace of arsenic in his system. Right. But beyond that, I don't know what other poisons you can test for or find or whatever, especially after so long. But they were using fingernails and stuff, like, which is crazy also. I try. Right. It's largely unfounded, but it's it's crazy to think about Taylor being exhumed that long after his death, the family being okay with it, which you think would never happen. Yeah. Would never happen. And his presidency isn't that consequential. So like what is to be uncovered no. by this alleged, you know, conspiracy? I think but, it's just sexy always. It is sexy. That there's yeah. murder. And, and A new theory. That it would have been the initial. If it was true, it would have been. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Charts. And you can and read the, books the, about. The uncertainty, you know. Yeah. You can read books about this conspiracy that like entire books just about this. Yeah. No, it's and very compelling. It's a very compelling story. It is. And they, they mostly say that it, if it is true, it was likely the work of, you know, a coalition of pro slavery Southerners because he was trying to pull back on slavery expansion mm -hmm. uh, or Catholics who he apparently had major beef with the Catholics. I don't. Yeah. I mean, we know that, uh, that we know that was a hot topic. Catholics who kill. <laughs> right. The potato people are coming. Kill them all. <laughs> so that's his that's his story. Yeah. And so that's we've got our... three presidents dead within about 10 years. Yeah. Each, you know, all of each other. Two in the White House, one shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. And all three of these accounts I just gave you are what was considered the known history up right. until very recent years. But these stories never quite sat right with a lot of people, besides just the conspiracy theory, it just seemed so strange and coincidental mm -hmm. that this all happened around the same time. So why would three presidents all within that same decade have such horrible and similar deaths? So back in 2014, a study for Oxford academic that was conducted by Jane McHugh and Philip Mekowiak, they theorized that Harrison was actually killed by the water in the White House. Mm. They discovered obvious issues with just the reports on his symptoms and, and his overall health. The disease was not viewed as a case of pure pneumonia. This is from the writings they found by Dr. Miller. But as this was the most palpable affection, the term pneumonia afforded a succinct and intelligible answer to the innumerable questions as to the nature of the attack. Although the president had fever, dyspnea, and cough productive of blood-tinged sputum during the course of his illness, his pulmonary symptoms did not arise until the fifth day of his illness and were intermittent rather than progressive thereafter. And so if you compare that to these gastrointestinal complaints that he started with, they begin on the third day of his illness and they never got better 
they mm-hmm. got progressively worse and worse every single day. And it began with that constipation and abdominal distension, which is, I think most people, when they think of having some sort of a deadly stomach virus, they don't think of constipation. No. It's no. very strange. The opposite. Yeah. So that also to these researchers that stuck out, like mm-hmm. that's weird that this is how it started. And in treating these symptoms, Dr. Miller is giving an un- unheard of, unacceptable amount of laxatives to this no. poor, poor fucking man. <laughs> L- laxatives and enemas, just, it's so bad. And apparently on the sixth day of his illness, how could he even not go to the bathroom at that point? He did finally go. And from that point on, it's what the uh, Dr. Miller refers to as, quote unquote, fetid, watery, black stool. Mm -hmm. His pulse is sinking. His extremities are bluish. And soon thereafter, he's dead. So all of these symptoms add up to one thing in the minds of these researchers. This sounds like enteric fever, also known as typhoid fever. Mm -hmm. Let's talk typhoid, people. (laughs) Uh, It's so good to be back, back in my- This is your wheelhouse. In my comfort zone. His night water turned the wrong color, folks. Let's just get into it. Typhoid fever is a bacterial infection caused by salmonella typhi. There's also paratyphoid fever, um, but we're we're sticking with uh, the S typhi or salmonella typhi. Similar with cholera, typhoid fever is passed along from human to human via water or food contaminated with mm-hmm. the bacteria. Mm-hmm. These are some of those symptoms that really stand out for typhoid fever. The fever can go as high as 103 to 104 degrees, which is very high. Other symptoms can include weakness, severe lingering stomach pain, a headache, diarrhea or constipation, cough, and loss of appetite. All of these are complaints that you can read about in Dr. Miller's writings. At some point, Harrison talks about having a very severe pain on, I think, the right side of his head. His right side was in agonizing pain. And all they can really do for him is apply like poultices and mustard baths. If you guys have never heard of that treatment before, it's, it's a good way to burn your skin. I'll put it that way. (laughs) And, you know, to a less nuanced medical opinion or time period, all of these symptoms sound like pneumonia. He was just outside. All of these causal factors seem to align, but of course these doctors are looking through hindsight, which is incredible. They can look at a record and glean a historiographical opinion that differs from the medical mm-hmm. professionals of the time, you know, based on what they know, which is this is still incredible. miasma theory. Yeah. Jon Snow has not done his thing yet. Right. So it's in your interpreting through the, the limits of their knowledge of the time. Absolutely. Yes. So in the worst cases of typhoid fever, you can have uh, internal bleeding and Obviously, the absolute worst case is you die. Without therapy, this is something that's really interesting about typhoid fever that I didn't know, that without any therapy at all, no intervention, the illness can last for three to four weeks, which is a long fucking time, and you can relapse a few weeks later. And Mm. the odds are the illness will be improved. It will be an easier version. But the fact that it's like this never-ending horror show is terrible. And... What's also interesting, the death rate is anywhere between 12% and 30% when there's no treatment. So really, kind of not that bad. You could beat it. You have a chance of survival. But Um, Harrison does not. No. And I'll explain why in a minute. But yeah, cholera, for comparison, you have a 25 to 50% chance of dying from cholera if you don't have any treatment. So that's a little worse for sure. Mm. I think it's the dehydration can be such a bigger factor with cholera. Today, we're lucky that typhoid is very treatable. It's antibiotics. It's, it's a very simple treatment. And we, by and large, 
do not see it very much in modern, you know, first world countries. Sure. In the United States, about 350 patients are diagnosed with typhoid fever, 90 with paratyphoid fever. And generally speaking, if you kind of track the illness, the patient zero is someone who recently traveled out of country. Correct. Likely. You think about it on a cruise or on a, you know. <laughs> it's usually coming from India, Bangladesh, Pakistan. Yeah. That's where typhoid fever is still very, very uh, prominent, unfortunately. Talk about some challenged infrastructure and plumbing. Absolutely. In those environments. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about why Harrison didn't survive. Let's talk about his treatments, because as we know, in the 19th century, sometimes your treatment is worse than your illness. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. He, just everything that was bad just sped this process up considerably. Like we said, those initial complaints were pain. He was in a lot of pain. And so Dr. Miller did what any good doctor of the day would do. He shot him up with laudanum. <laughs> Ooh, my favorite. <laughs> Lots of opium to help with the pain. And he's aggressively mixing laxatives with mercury. No way. Yes. Oh, no. Mercury up your butt. <laughs> no, mercury enema? Mercury enema. No. Yes. No, ma'am, Pam. <laughs> no mercury enema. I was like, coffee enema. <laughs> coffee enema? Or maybe someday. No. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> mercury enema. Yeah, like, you don't have to be a scientist to know that's not a great combination. Now you have my attention. <laughs> uh, oh my God. And here's so, the, that's crazy. Here's the thing, too. Anybody who knows anything about opioids understands that laudanum would have made his constipation so much worse. Mm. It's that sort locks of locks you up. It's a real problem mm -hmm. with anybody who that's why they sell like medication specifically for people with opioid constipation now because right. it's well, such it's just a problem. This alchemy that really has no logic, just like let's deploy every weapon in our arsenal. The more severe, the better. Let's put multiple strains of yeah. horrible drugs in this person's body, chemicals, com compounds, atoms. We have no idea what they are. The one, thing he, the one thing he didn't do which probably really helped a lot was he didn't mm. bleed him. He didn't leech him. Yeah. He didn't bleed him because he was concerned <laughs> about his symptoms. And that is often something that is misreported that he was bled and that probably led to his death, but he wasn't. I feel like we're a couple of decades past that. Thank goodness. But it's also very like hop, skip and jump with this medical science in this new, in this new world. They very much were still doing it in the 1840s big time. Um, but yeah, so the thing with the constipation that's so bad and by giving him a medication that's going to make it worse is when you have a bacterial infection in your intestinal tract, in your stomach, your body is giving you diarrhea because it's trying to force this thing out of you. Remember, we talked about this with the cholera episode in that Jon Snow said one of the main things, he he couldn't call it bacteria because he didn't have that language, but he said it's very clear the body is trying to expel a poison. Yes. Right? So it's the same thing here. So if you think about they're clogging him up, they're keeping this poison inside of him, mm -hmm. and it's fucking eating him up so real bad now he didn't die from mercury poisoning per se but mercury as we know is extremely dangerous you yeah. don't want to eat it <laughs> you don't want it in your butt you just don't want to touch it <laughs> so god knows what levels of complications that added to this situation sure but the other thing that really fucked harrison over was he actually already was suffering from chronic dyspepsia which for people who don't know, it's basically, you know, like acid reflux. Yeah. And he was treating it with what was the appropriate antacid therapy of the time, which would have been carbonated alkali. And by decreasing the acid in his stomach, he created a more hospitable environment for bacteria to thrive, mm. which is why they tell you when you're doing shit, you got to take your probiotics. <laughs> Yeah, sure. <laughs> Gotta keep the good Get bacteria. The, the gut health is everything. So yeah, he was he was to treat the symptoms of this ongoing chronic issue. He was taking something that destroyed this. I know Luke's making and so to, many. And when you're when you're dyspeptic, it's like you know you got agita, you got the bubbles in your stomach. You're like it's it's yeah. it's, it's it's very uncomfortable. Not not to mention all the other pain this man is suffering. Right. So he has kind of dug his own grave in just trying to treat this every day problem with what was an appropriate treatment. So this really probably 
played a very large role in why he could not recover from mm -hmm. typhoid fever. His his stomach just couldn't do it. So if we add all of these things together, this all really does sound like enteric fever or typhoid fever. And therefore, McHugh and Mikowiak might actually be onto something here with their theory. And when we think about these other two presidents, these symptoms are almost identical to Zachary Taylor's and to mm. some extent, James K. Polk. Right. So what the fuck is going on in the White House? Something in the water, you might say. <laughs> so, well, 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 my more buddies, as luck would have it, we are once again talking about a situation not too dissimilar from what happened in London during their cholera outbreaks. From the moment that it was decided that the Capitol would be in D.C., it should have been known that there were going to be fucking problems because... <laughs> For people who don't know, uh, it was a fucking swamp. Very inhospitable city to build on. Building Incredibly on nothing. Building so. on nothing. Yeah. Very balmy, very, very humid. And yeah, the challenge of, of irrigation and plumbing and drainage. Immediate concern. The ideal environment for any kind of stagnant water illness. It's just festering. The whole thing it's is festering. Disgusting. It's, it's disgusting. True. It's true. It made me think about, um, there was a quote from this other really good article that I read from the Saturday Evening Post by uh, Chris Wakefield and Troy Brownfield. I just realized for the first time, both their names ended field. Wakefield, Brownfield, and Winfield. <laughs> and White guys. Uh, <laughs> they said, <laughs> the new federal city was supposed to be a shining beacon of democracy and freedom. Instead, it was an overgrown swamp with primitive roads and no infrastructure. And if you've ever yeah. seen mine and Luke's favorite miniseries, John Adams, you yeah. can recall the moment that they show up at the White House and it is fucking disgusting. Yes, it's half built. It's just brown, you know, muck everywhere. It's so yeah. muddy. It's stinky. It's sunken. It's she, desolate. In her writing, she talks about she she had to hang laundry in the east wing. Mm -hmm. It's the only place it would dry because right. of how fucking humid it was, <laughs> which is ridiculous. And it's still very humid to this day. Summers in Washington oh are unbearable. God. It's brutally swampy. They are tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that Virginia. Maryland, those areas in general are very, very steamy mm -hmm. for sure. The tidewater. And at this point also, unlike London, D.C. had no sewer system. Right. By 1940, there isn't a single sewer system in the United States. We don't have them yet. So it's, it's, it's not good. It's not, not, good. Good. not good. I mean, but, you know, at the same time, it's not like London was doing that great with sewers. So. <laughs> Let's go without him, I say. But without a sewer, that means people are literally just dumping excrement into the street to be collected and carted away by our number one hero of this podcast, <laughs> the Night Soilman. <laughs> the generations of Night Soilman that just moved here from the United Kingdom now just end up in D.C. Oh, son of a bitch. It's a whole new world. Starting over again. Let's go back. <laughs> oh, so my God they would collect this night soil and then it would be deposited basically just like down the road a piece mm -hmm. to like just places that were less populated. Right. Right. So it, it wasn't even like what they were doing with the Thames where it was like, all right, the idea is we put it in this upper tributary and it'll, it'll go it carried out. Yeah. yeah. It'll be fine. It's just <laughs> like, no, we're just going to leave it in a pile over here and uh... hope for the best. Right, and now it's the Kennedy Center. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually a, pres a Presbyterian church. <laughs> oh, the irony of that is not lost. That's great. That's great. Uh, but anyway, in the 1930s is when they begin having a discussion about piping water into the White House because up until then, water is being carried via buckets, the old-fashioned way, right. which is crazy. You know, this is supposed to be the epitome of modernity, right? This is the leader of our country. They should live in some level of splendor, right? Right. The executive mansion, as they called it then. Exactly. Yes. So they decide there are a few different springs in the area, and they decide to go with the one that's closest. Unfortunately, I have some bad news about this spring. So... <laughs> I'm going to discuss this news via a map that I've sent you, Luke. 
And I will absolutely make sure we post this on our Instagram. So okay. See it too. So okay. I am looking at this map. Mm -hmm. You can see the District of Columbia laid out here. Indeed. This is a map of Washington, D.C., circa 1846. Nice. And what you are looking at is there are three numbers on this map, and they're all relatively close to one another. Mm. Number one would be what they're calling the president's house, right? Right. It's where the White House is. Yeah. And at that point, the elevation is 55 feet. <laughs> short oh, just wait <laughs> the spring from which it is receiving its water supply is number two mm. and that is at a 60 foot elevation <laughs> okay i think you see where i'm going with this mm. and the field in which night soil collected each day from the city residents is deposited is number three and that is at an elevation of 80 feet <laughs> No. <laughs> so I'm looking at a A plus B equals C. I'm looking at a quadratic formula you're looking, for You're poop. looking at I, a shit avalanche. Basically. I'm looking at a Pythagorean theme of poop triangle. And <laughs> the White House is the bottom of the triangle in which the hill of shit is being pushed down towards onto itself over and over again. Literally, this map shows beautifully that with a little help from gravity, actual poop is just making its way right. down towards the White House. So Taylor is as is on the recycled timeline of water that Polk and Harrison also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because this would have started. It officially went into effect during Jackson's presidency. He was the yeah, first president when, to have running when water. Washington was first hooked up with plumbing. Yeah, yeah eighteen thirty-three. Mm -hmm. So yeah. <laughs> So it's great. All the pregnant so, yeah. shit. <laughs> Without question, it's it's you know totally provable. No, because the water wasn't tested. But at the same time, how could the water have not become tainted? Absolutely. No, and mathematically, environmentally, there's going to be seepage. There's going to be the point yeah. of gravity is taking them, is taking, is taking the fecal matter towards the path of least resistance. Yeah. Because like because the White House is closest to the Potomac <coughs> River. Right. And then you're just going up the hill, no, you know, north into northwest Washington. So of course, to us it seems to make perfect sense that this oh, would yeah. be a recipe for disaster. But they didn't know. They didn't know. And they, didn't know. they had similar bad. Uh, sanitary practices. There's a canal that was there as well that was just festering with animal carcasses and feces. And so there's multiple places where the ground is getting infected, basically. Yes, the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal. Yeah. Mm. So uh, it's, it's just not good. It's just so much no. filth everywhere. Right. Um, so this makes a lot of sense for Harrison and Taylor who died during their time at the White House. But then what about Polk? I think that's like the first hole you can try to poke. He's you can try more to of poke. an outlier. <laughs> you, can, you, can poke. you can poke a hole in it. Um, but he's, more, um, he's, he's more of an outlier, right? Because he's right. out of office. Because he lived in the White House for four years. Yeah. And it's only after he leaves that he dies. So what was that about? He was dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's what's interesting. Polk was also not a very healthy man. Mm. He had a lot of issues, suffered terribly i think from gallstones which is awful vaped for years real <laughs> <derelict>. <laughs> the worst just the worst <laughs> according to some letters that he wrote while president he did suffer from several bouts of pretty severe diarrhea which i love that people are just casually writing <laughs> each other about this <laughs> No news on the president. Did have a touch of diarrhea last week. Little bit of the poops. Otherwise, good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There wasn't a lot to talk about back then. I guess. Yes. How how loose is the president's stool? That's that's the goings on. <laughs> that's the state of the stool. That's what the we really want to know. Day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The state of the stool is loose. <laughs> so, since he had talked about it, you could believe that his intestinal tract and his immune system had been compromised because he had been taking in uh, some of this bacteria yeah. and had been getting maybe milder cases of it. And then eventually when he was on this trip on the Mississippi River, he he writes about how several passengers took very ill with cholera during that trip. And he himself actually did get sick at some point. 
Um, but it's more likely than not he brought that from Washington, D.C. Wow. Um, and the fatal cholera that takes his life obviously is once he's back in Nashville. So it probably was that his immune system was just so horribly compromised right. by getting sick so much. I mean, the the getting sick and having diarrhea in the White House, like to me, like sometimes you get the shits. <laughs> like, there's well, no way to know. And there's different <laughs> resistance levels, like you were saying, like, you know, and it's one of those classic things. Like I would be so frustrated as a doctor because nothing would, nothing makes me more frustrated with like looking at WebMD than like, oh, it could be diarrhea or it could be constipation, but they both equal the same horrible disease. So right. you're like, you know, how do you know how it manifests <laughs> in the patient? And I don't, you know, I'm not a medical professional, but like, is there anything to say about a resistance to a parasite or like a stronger yeah. constitution or like him being on borrowed time? Like you're saying, like it was going to take his life at right. some point. The more he's traveling, the more he's exerting himself. He just got through the presidency. Like, yeah, you're riding that high. So for a couple of months, maybe your nerves <laughs> really finally shut down. And Polk is known as uh, the way he's spoken about is he worked exceptionally insanely hard Mm-hmm. in his presidency mm-hmm. and it, some say he worked himself to death yeah, the job was keeping him and alive that is a you. thing yeah. where we know that stress does kill so if you yeah. if you are stressed out all the time if your body's always in this hyperdrive and you're getting these infections your body's taking a hit every time yes. so yeah this this isn't hard evidence that i'm offering no. but it makes sense if you want to follow this theory makes a lot um, of sense yeah and then other questions start to come up, right? Like, how come we've never heard of the White House just being decimated by typhoid fever and cholera infections, just hundreds of people dying? Mm-hmm. There's nothing like this in writing, right? But here's the thing. If you recall from our Broad Street Pump episode, we talked about asymptomatic carriers, right? Yes. That's a major issue with cholera because of how long cholera can stay in the human body. And it's mm-hmm. similar with typhoid fever. You can have it and you can survive it. Exactly. You can have it and not know you ever had it. Yeah. And like I said, those death rates are impressive, really, that you have a 12% chance of dying. That's not that bad. Yeah. I mean, it ensures the disease will survive. Exactly. You know, yes. in that it can transmit without killing the host. You know, some people do live. Yeah. So, and that's the thing is like the, there absolutely probably were people getting sick, but it just wasn't being reported on because they were then fine or they had very mild symptoms. And it's safe to say every president from Jackson on down had some form of cholera. Someone had the shits. (laughs) They all had poops. And listen. And their wives and their children and their dogs. (laughs) It's a nerve wracking job. Sometimes you're just going to get nervous poop. Oh, God. Yeah. God. crowning immediately is this when is the zoom the zoom is now i have to poop right now presidential Always. zoom with with the ohio territory oh god oh no i can't possibly that would have cured harrison's I have, constipation i have to get undressed hold on it takes 10 minutes <laughs> unzip me no zippers come on luke <laughs> unclasp me unbutton me so i'm sure all of you have heard of the individual known as typhoid mary Mm. who I'm not going to talk a ton about today because she absolutely deserves her may she rest, treatment. May she rest in peace. But I want to use her as an example of the most terrifying version of an asymptomatic carrier. She was a cook and was responsible really for one of the worst outbreaks of typhoid fever in the history of the United States in 1906. She is what you would call a super spreader because she did not have symptoms. And therefore, even when people were telling her Mm -hmm. she was spreading it, she didn't even believe them. Right. Because this part of science wasn't understood. No. And when you, if you said this to a random person who'd never heard of this before, they were like, you're fucking with me. Right. I don't have that. I'm sick, but I'm not sick. What What are you talking talking about? about? Yeah. Dropsy. Yeah. So that story is absolutely insane. (laughs) It's got (laughs) so many levels, uh, some racist stuff in there too. It's, it's a, it's a fascinating story that we will She was Irish, correct? Yes. And Mm. it was rough. She Mm -hmm. had a rough time. It will get its own treatment in the near future. I promise you. But I just wanted to mention her for that reason, (laughs) because she, I think it was something like she was a direct contact with like 122 individuals who all got typhoid fever and a percentage of those people died. And beyond that in New York, it was something like, I don't know, like 13,000 people got fucking typhoid fever. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
she's <laughs> she's uh she's ground zero. Scary. Not <laughs> yeah. scary. So, you know, it's it's a terrifying disease in that way. Yeah. Uh s- spread far too easily. But, you know, even with that, it's still pretty surprising that if the water was the cause, there wouldn't be far more deaths regardless or, you know, some accounts of this illness amongst other presidents, amongst their families, things exactly. like that. Their wives are there a fair amount as well. And actually, these researchers now have also been attributing the death of Willie Lincoln yes. to the water in the White House. I've heard this. Yeah. Which, you know, casts a whole new light on this. And because that's the that's the following question is we're in the 18, late 1840s now. When does this plumbing really get addressed? When does this infrastructure really get improved? You know? I know. So it's like this this went on and on yeah. for a yeah. while. So that's the thing. I don't we don't really know. Mm-hmm. about like there's research that has been done that's fascinating like this but it's not so thorough that it can account for you know the the, the entirety of the white house plumbing Correct. system yeah not every proves is a- the harrison theory i think perfectly that harrison did not die from pneumonia he did have pneumonia but that was secondary to the enteric fever the typhoid yeah. fever. A lot of people may have had cholera, may have had typhoid, but not everybody died from it. And not everybody had the same kind of attention put on them as a president did. So the records that we have are spotty and they're different, different authorities, different narrators. Yeah. Um, so it's really hard to put that, to piece that together. But that, that's what I love about like this fascinating, like historical detective yeah. genre that we it's live fun. in now. It's, it's so interesting. Yeah. And you know, for me, I'm always, I'm, I'm always a skeptic about everything. So I'm yeah. like, hmm, was that what it was? To me, this all makes a lot of sense. Um, One of my questions was, okay, but then what about, there was another president in those years Mm -hmm. because President John Tyler takes over for Harrison and he doesn't die. Right. So it's not like it was, you could even say, oh, it was so much worse for some reason in those 10 years. No. Or maybe you could say that and Tyler is just an asymptomatic carrier. Exactly. That's my that's my assumption is that everybody's carrying it. Yeah. And he was a hard he was what's weird about him is he was not a hardy dude. He had a lot of health problems too. Mm-hmm. He was old. Uh he he died at 71, I think, and that was all the way in 1862. Never mind then. <laughs> and I in my research of him, I didn't know this because who gives a shit about <laughs> Um, he, I think still to this day was the only president who did not receive like an actual presidential burial when he died because he was a Confederate at that point. Yes. I'd forgotten about that. That does sound right. He also has a, he also until recently, I think maybe still does have a living grandson. I think that's true. Oh, I think you're right. Because he had, she had children or another batch of children really late. Yes. And then that son had children really late. I th- okay, no, I think I remember it's this. Like a from, classic, it's like a CBS Sunday morning like special. Like, if for we- anybody who is a president nerd, yeah. if, if you haven't listened to the presidential podcast that oh. Wa- WAPO did yes. uh, several years ago, this is what sparked mine and Luke's conversations about the presidencies mm-hmm. and like really made us realize, holy shit, this is our thing. They, I think they interview him. They do. He's so they, lovely. The grandson. Yeah. He he did he did all the shows. Did CBS in the morning. He was definitely on the podcast and um kind of looks like Tyler. Um mm. which is freaky. Yeah, um, that's freaky. But yeah, well, that's a that's a that's a weird one. Yeah. That's a weird one. I know. So yeah, the John Tyler one, again, we could chalk it up to he was an asymptomatic carrier. There's also this thing of, you know, we we talked about with the night soil men, them getting micro exposures. Mm-hmm. That therefore they had some kind of a resistance to the bacteria exactly that they had built up. So maybe it's just that John Tyler had always grown up in areas that had this bacteria in the water. Maybe he'd been yeah. drinking it his whole life. Maybe his body had adapted to it. Exactly. Who the fuck knows? You yeah. know what I mean? There's so many like Actors. questions and yeah. then you could create answers to those questions based on what scientific knowledge we have but i don't really know and you know with someone like zachary taylor him and harrison like it's very clear they got sick in the white house right yes. like something happened in the white house to them i don't think i don't think he was assassinated especially no. because there were members of his cabinet who also came down with the fever got very sick I don't know if any of them died, but yeah, 
So unless this was a grand conspiracy where they were also trying to murder his cabinet, like again, like a Lincoln S. Yes, exactly. Give them all smallpox. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Um, know. Yeah. That also seems like kind of over the top mm -hmm. because you look at a Lincoln and a a Lincoln is someone who's very assassinatable. (laughs) Yeah. Really, a real, uh, as a real coup for the cause, you know, like yeah. what, 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 are, what, are the, what is the what is the ish in 1847, you know, but it's so interesting that to think that William Henry Harrison, you know, based on the timeline you're saying, like in another week or so, perhaps without such drastic treatment could very well have lived. Possibly. Could yeah, have, could have could have beaten it or, you know, maybe gotten reinfected again in six months. You know, I think. I think the the severe treatments he was receiving, but then also, you know, his, like I said, his gut health already wasn't very good because he'd been taking medicine for dyspepsia. Right. So I don't know. I don't yeah. know. And again, we're very lucky that we know so much about Harrison's treatment and his illness, and they really go into great detail on it. Yeah. Which is what's made it possible to, I think, say with a lot of certainty that he absolutely had typhoid fever. Right. So that that myth can be busted. <laughs> you can you can go outside without a coat on in March and you're not going to die. Right. Well, and that's such a William Henry Harrison is such an inconsequential president, but his death and his short presidency is such a fluke. It's a novelty or whatever. It's a weird, a weird thing. Yeah. And there's still a pers- story more than anything. It's else. a story. It's a myth. And there's, and there's more persistent elements in the presidential like aura around this. Like it's very usually seen. It's seen still as a sign of vitality. If a president does not wear a coat to the inauguration and the younger presidents like a Kennedy and like others yeah. famously just wear their suit like Obama too. I think maybe one of them, but you know, and that's still, that still is maintained like a, a presidential image by way of what kind of coat they wear toughness outside yeah. in January when it's freaking freezing. Usually I've been to at least <laughs> I've been to one inauguration and it was horribly cold. Well, thank and, you. Uh, yeah. It's just cause you got the cold reflecting pool and the wind and you're just out there in DC with just bald, you know, nothing to break the wind. And if you've um, never been to DC, yeah, it's it creates this like wind, wind tunnel, tunnel yeah, right in the, the middle there. Mm-hmm. It's rough yeah. on the mall in the wintertime. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a lot, and um, and also with the brevity of a speech, like I feel like William Henry Harrison, like you know, he, uh, you know, William Henry Harrison helps set the tone of like what the expectation is of the inauguration for like that first meeting of the president and the people. Yeah. Um, and as a victim of, you know, what is seen as, you know, well, the speech was too long then he got pneumonia and died. And like, you know, so it's like a presidential hubris and ambition and wanting to appear vain, you know, or not and vain. And it's sad that it's made him sort of a laughing stock yeah. president. It's reduced him to that, to a figure. Yeah. 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 And, and he actually, for those that don't know, I look into William Henry Harrison as much as he's like a inconsequential president in many ways as an individual and his career is Absolutely fascinating. Very yeah. interesting guy. He accomplished a lot in his life prior to the presidency. So, you know, again, all three of these guys are accomplished individuals. You don't just casually get elected president. But yeah, they're mostly known for these insane deaths. Demises. So I thought in terms of the sort of where can you see more portion uh, rather than you can find presidential statues street names, everything and anything exists, particularly where they're from. Like with William Henry Harrison, there's tons of stuff named after him in Ohio. Right. But I think what I will share with all of you today is their final resting places that you can visit. Right? That's where these gross bacteria-laden bodies remain today. Where the mercury's (laughs) half-life has just begun. (laughs) That soil is also contaminated. Stay away. William Henry Harrison, uh, after he died, he obviously was in uh, Washington, D.C. for a short period of time. But he was soon moved back to Ohio, where they would have the William Henry Harrison Tomb State Memorial created. Mm -hmm. And I believe it's on the National Register. Mm -hmm. He is there with his wife and his son, who would have been 
the father of William Hen or Benjamin Benjamin Harrison, Harrison yes, Harrison who grandson. would be a far more successful president in terms yes, of longevity. In terms of living. <laughs> yeah, so it's located on Brower Road, which is a half mile west of US Route 50 in North Bend, Ohio. So that's where you can visit him. And I think I also read that they um in the town, like for his birthday, they do like a little parade for him, which is nice. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. A lot of local local pride. It's very cute. I liked that. For James K. Polk, uh, after his death, he was actually buried in what is now the Nashville City Cemetery due to the legal requirement related to the fact that he had an infectious disease. Mm. Again, they said he had cholera, so mm. they understood at least that much. Uh, he was moved to a tomb on the grounds of Polk Place in 1850, which I guess is his family's plot. Okay. Um, in 1893, the bodies of James and his wife, Sarah, were relocated to their current resting place, which is on the grounds of the Tennessee State Capitol in Nashville. Yes. yes. I think I've seen that gravesite. Have you been to Nashville? I've, I've never been, been to Nashville. Yeah. I have, the, the, I, have, I have seen his crypt there. Yeah, yeah. It's like in the side of the hill. Mm -hmm. um, he's a big deal there. Uh, yeah, and you're saying and you're saying that he was he he was he had this weird status, right? Because it was during the Civil War, right? Uh, Polk? No, uh, that's uh, Ty uh, Tyler. Taylor, Tyler. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, I know. <laughs> it gets the Taylor Tyler shit is has been killing me. The James John Tyler Taylor. I, these, and this like this row is like is like is kind so of so unimpressive. Is, is, a muddy, is a muddy spot. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Like yeah. bland ass presidents. You get like eight presidents in a row. They're like who? And they're all basically just building up to the Civil War right now. Correct. It's all it, they're yeah. all fighting the same battles about expansion and slavery. So yeah, yeah they all closer. they really do blend into each other. Unfortunately, yeah. quite a lot. So finally, we'll end on uh, Zachary Taylor. He was interred in the public vault of the Congressional Cemetery in D.C. from July 13th to October 25th, 1850. So uh, that's a thing that I don't know if that was something that was customary where you the president would be kept for a certain amount of time in DC for viewing and things like, I have no idea. I thought that was really interesting though. His body is then transported to the Taylor family plot where his parents already were buried mm. on their old homestead plantation known as Springfield in Louisville, <laughs> Kentucky. Uh, in 1883, the Commonwealth of Kentucky placed a 50 foot monument topped by a life-size statue of Taylor near his grave site. By the 1920s, the Taylor family initiated efforts to turn the burial grounds into a national cemetery. And in 1928, it was designated as the Zachary Taylor National Cemetery in Louisville, Kentucky, which Good you can absolutely him. visit today. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> that's okay. what I want. Okay, that's, that's the final prize I want in my life. I'm named after a fucking cemetery. <laughs> My cemetery is named after me. Correct. <laughs> your death sucked so hard. <laughs> now we're going to name this. And now your descendants just like rake themselves over this never ending death cult trying to expand your legacy. Well, these dudes <clears throat> own slaves though, so fuck them anyway. <laughs> Seriously. <clears throat> so yeah, that is the very morbid, very controversial but totally fascinating story of the White House plumbing. Yeah. This has been long anticipated. Um, I know. <laughs> Day one, we talked about it. <laughs> and I'm glad that we finally are able to, uh, you know, uh, do our business and get off the pot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that did, did not disappoint. And um, <laughs> no, there's and there's a never ending fascination. And to think again, going back to like Zachary Taylor, this really nobody president getting all this attention. You know, he's like C-SPAN filming the exhumation, trying to get to the bottom of his alleged poisoning is a never-ending fascination with the presidents. And, and they he's loom, a great they example large. of that. His, yes. his possible assassination stories is a great example of that. Huge. Otherwise, We're craving no, We're one craving no one cares. No one Right. His potential assassination would have overshadowed his entire presidency. Yeah. As would another breakthrough with any one of these guys, truthfully. Show um, a picture of Zachary Taylor to most American adults, they will not know who he is. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones looks great. <laughs> <laughs> He's very craggly. He's very rugged. Yeah. He yeah. is. Crunchy. Yeah. He's crunchy. He's just like in epaulets all the time. Like he's always got his like little tassels on his. Yes. On his he was a military his... man. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He was. So yeah. So that's it for 
for this week. Can't wait for what you have in store for us. Luke. Oh, yes. There is more presidential morbidity coming your way um, all throughout the month of February. So get get ready, kids. Get it's going to be... <laughs> It's going to be a bumpy presidential uh, ride, and so I think oh. we're going to, and I think we're going to have to talk a little bit about throughout the month some special uh, content that really delves into our pre- love of presidents. Absolutely, that manifests in unique and different ways um, outside of the outside of the lovely content. Yes. All right, folks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Morbid Museum podcast. Please remember to rate and subscribe to the Morbid Museum wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave us a review. Rate us and review us. We'd love to hear from you. You can keep in touch with us at email at themorbidmuseum at gmail.com. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram at the Morbid Museum and become a more buddy. Join us on Patreon today. Until next time, we'll see you for another gallery talk inside the Morbid Museum. Bye-bye. Hey! Yay! Woo! Episode in the books. Episode. <laughs> <laughs>